Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor. I am your guest host, and I'm happy to be with you. We are going to be looking today at the escalating danger. First of all, the horror show, the meat grinder of slaughter and inhumanity of what is going on right now in Ukraine, but also the escalating danger that this, what is it right now, a proxy war between the U.S.-led NATO bloc on the one side and Russia on the other, uh, that this could spill out into a direct inter-imperialist confrontation and war into World War III, which has the very real danger, the devastating danger of becoming a nuclear war, which really could spell the end of human civilization as we have known it. This is an insanely dangerous situation that we confront, that we're all held hostage to right now, that most people are sleepwalking through, ignoring. And we cannot afford to ignore this. We have to look at this for what it is, and we have to understand that we have a role to play in how this turns out. Regular listeners to The Michael Slate Show will know that this show is pre-recorded. One of the interviews on this show speaks about an event that has already happened. But that discussion is something you will want to hear. So I have different parts of the show today, but I want to start by saying I'm so happy to have in studio with me again um, as my guest to talk with you about this and to take your calls later in the hour, Annie Day, who is part of the RevComs and has been organizing and speaking and working on waking people up to this danger and is uh, helping lead a action against this danger of war. So Annie, welcome. Very glad to be here. Thank you, Sansara. Listen, we're going to do this show in in different parts. I'm going to share an interview in just a few minutes that Andy Z did with the writer and author Paul Street talking about the danger and the dynamics of this war. Um, We're going to play uh, a call for protests that's been put out by the Revcoms. We're going to take callers later in the hour after I interview you a little bit more in depth. But I'd like it if you could start the hour by just telling us uh, what you're planning this Sunday. Um, why it's important, and what you aim to accomplish through it. We would like to invite everyone listening to join us for a rally march protest. Uh, We're going to manifest and we're going to march to declare no U.S.-NATO war with Russia, stop U.S. threats against China, no World War III. It is this system, not humanity, that needs to become extinct We don't accept their future. It's time to get organized for a real revolution. So there's going to be a rally. Uh, We're going to do a very powerful uh, visual manifestation uh, standing on both the U.S. and the Russian flags. We're going to do die-ins all throughout Hollywood to manifest for the crimes of the American empire and the danger that we face in terms of the, the, which we'll talk more about today, but in terms of the dynamics that could spiral out into direct military confrontation and potential nuclear war. Um, And we're going to sound the alarm, but also we're going to help and fight to raise people's sights to the fact that we don't accept their future because a different future is possible be in the streets. And and we'll talk here more today about why. But really, this Sunday, when the whole world is at stake, there is no more more important place to be. All right. Well, thank you, Annie. Um, Like I said, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But to get into some of the dynamics of what is going on in Ukraine right now, and not just on the ground, but the huge geostrategic political battle that is being waged for for imperialist domination and influence in the world. 
um, and why the U.S. is so invested in this, and and what is at stake with this? Pro- what is really driving this proxy war, and what's at stake as it has the potential, and not just the potential, it is escalating. It is escalating almost by the day, and has the potential of erupting into open interimperialist World War Three. Uh, I'd like to share an interview that Andy Z who is the host of the Revolution Nothing Less show, um, together with myself at youtube.com slash therevcoms, an interview that Andy did with Paul Street, who is a writer, an author, a historian, and an educator. He frequently publishes at counterpunch.org, and he has been speaking out against, uh, especially against what the U.S. is doing in this war. I'd like to share that interview now, and then we'll come back at the other end and have some conversation. I want to welcome my friend Paul Street to the RNL show. Paul is a historian and he's a member of the editorial board of Refuse Fascism. He has a Substack uh, Paul Street report and he writes for Counterpunch. Paul, welcome to the RNL show. Thanks a lot, Andy. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, Paul, you wrote an article that uh, first appeared on your Substack uh, blog and then on. Uh, Counterpunch titled Ukraine War Reflections, and you identified nine arguments with a movement that thinks of itself as progressive and even radical, even a left, and and yet you describe this as a shattered and lame U.S. left whose arguments are darkly comedic. And you published, we published your piece on Revcom.us. So I want to start with asking you, uh, why did you write this piece? What provoked you? Well, you know, first of all, it is absolutely my responsibility, our responsibility here in the United States, above all, to take aim at and criticize our own national uh, capitalist imperialist power. I, I, I think you lose credibility if you, if you don't acknowledge from the beginning that, yes, Putin is a butcher. Yes, Russia has a neo-fascist regime. Yes, Russia committed atrocities in, uh, in Bukha and elsewhere. You know, yes, Putin's invasion is criminal. Yes, Putin did not have to go to war. He was on. He he was provoked, but he was not compelled to. He was not forced to go to war. You, you get that out of the way, and that's true. But I don't live in Russia. Russians need to deal with that. Marxists here, socialists here, need to be reaching out to socialists and Marxists and peace-oriented human beings in Russia. And Russians need to be forming a movement against their own capitalist imperialist country. We're here. We're here in the United States of America, which happens to be the a number one top imperialist aggressor state, not only in the world, but in world history. And as bad as what the Russians are doing, and incidentally, what they're doing is on their own very directly proximate geographic border on, on the, on, 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 that has been invaded repeatedly by the West with millions of deaths, Napoleon, Hitler, coming through Ukraine, coming through Eastern Europe. I mean, think about the geographic inversion. What would the United States be doing if Russia or China were involved in a military alliance with uh, with Mexico or Canada, you know, directly on our borders, you know. But but so it's here, and nothing Russia has done is awful as what Russia is doing, and it is criminal, and it is horrible, and Putin belongs behind bars, absolutely. But this does not compare on in scale uh, to what the United States has done in Iraq, to what the United States has done in Afghanistan, what the United States did historically in Central America. And in Southeast Asia, there is no, there is no, no bigger, uh, more crass and cynical violator of international law than the United States of America. It is the a number one imperialist aggressor state, and therefore has no 
moral or legal ground to stand on, really, seriously, and this is understood around the global South, it's completely understood across most of the world uh, that the United States has no, no ground whatsoever to stand on in accusing people of breaking international law. It's exactly what it has done. Joe Biden himself led the cheers on the Democratic side of the U.S. Senate in 2002 for the, the, the use of force authorization to let George W. Bush invade Iraq uh, illegally and on false pretenses if he wanted to. And guess what? He did. And millions died. You decimate the, and this is related, the, the position of the what you call national U.S. chauvinism, I believe, or but it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's that the U.S. is defending Ukraine's right to self-determination, a claim that is bound up with uh, Biden's characterization of this war as a war against, for democracy against Putin's autocracy. So I'd like you to speak a little bit about this. Not just in terms of the, uh, the 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 left, but though they they are they do completely take up these terms of democracy, but its effect more broadly on the on the masses well, of people like here. Well, I think in a lot of complex historical situations, and this this is a doozy. As I say it as a historian, there's a lot of things going on at the same time. There is at some level there's a legitimate struggle for self determination by the Ukrainian people. They have in fact been uh, uh, illegally. And criminally invaded. There's a Russian. There's a Russian imperial objective that, that, in some ways, in some really out of whack hyperbole, Putin announced on the day of his invasion. You know, there's imperial objectives there, and material class interests in, on the on, on the part of Russian oligarchs, and all of this. But the United States moved very quickly. I would say, really, almost from the outset, to leap onto the Ukrainian cause. Uh, to make something much more out of it. And, and, and they said it. They said the quiet part out loud. Uh, uh, the, the leading general, the leading uh, commander, Austin, uh, was in Poland and said flat out at a press conference that we hope to weaken Russia. We hope to weaken Russia. Biden himself, some say it was a slip up, was heard in Poland early on to say that Putin should no longer stand uh, as can no longer be the leader of Russia, which, gee, sounded kind of regime changing. And that's certainly how people around much of the rest of the world must have, under, must have understood it. So it went way beyond defending Ukrainian right to self-determination and very quickly became something that was very much about uh, 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 an inter-imperial uh, geopolitical conflict with, uh, with, with, with a perceived imperial rival, which, by the way, is fighting on its own direct southwestern border, right, which is no one ever seems to want to talk about. And like in the U.S. invasion of Iraq, it was necessary to have a whole propaganda ideological framework and set in place to, to justify this uh, provocation. And we don't have all the time to do all the history, but the U.S. and NATO have been provoking Russia, what's called poking the bear, ever since the fall, well, and even before the, 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 the end of the Soviet empire. And, and so they say, this is a the, 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 and and you see parts of the left playing along with this rhetoric that this is a great struggle between democracy represented by the Ukrainians and supposedly the West and the U.S. and autocracy and authoritarianism represented by Russia. Well, there's no doubt whatsoever that Russia is an autocratic right-wing authoritarian, I, even in in its own kind of way, a Christian white nationalist state. It's horrific. It's it's some argue like Jason Stanley that Putin is a is a Neo-fascist. Okay, so that's true. But what about the U.S.? What democracy? Uh, uh, um, this is an open plutocracy sliding in 
to neo-fascism. It's, it's, a, it's a failing bourgeois democracy where public majority public opinion is irrelevant and trumped and defeated again and again on one uh, issue after another. What? We're the friends of democracy and we're also the key sponsor and ally and funder and equipper and trainer and, uh, and overseer of, of the Judeo-fascist state of Israel and its occupation of Palestine, of the open absolutist beheader regime in Saudi Arabia, of the dictatorship in uh, in Egypt. We are on the side of a right-wing neo-fascist type of coup in Peru right now. We have a history of backing third world fascist regimes, dozens of them over, over many decades. Well, it's important that people understand the actual reality on the one hand and also understand the batch of lies and propaganda that they are fed. In fact, Avakian wrote uh, right after the start of the war, uh, I believe in April of, of last year of 2022, quoting the famous saying that uh, the first casualty of war is the truth. But I'd like to talk, in, just to, to, in conclusion, uh, or as a last main question here, about the stakes of this war and the dangerous uh, head-in-the-sand uh, approach that too many people in this country have. You know, uh, I, I guess we probably both grew up with Alfred E. Newman's infamous motto of, What me worry? What me worry? I don't even care. What me worry? Worrying can't get you anywhere. So perfect for America and an American so-called left who's fatted on the spoils of imperialism. You wrote that a bunch of people, including no small number of left supporters of Ukraine on the one side and Russia on the other, now you use more colorful language, but, uh, but on the one hand, these two sides are starting to remind you of Slim Pickens playing Major Kong at the end of Dr. Strangelove. So your thoughts about that? Paul. It is just astonishing. I have heard from numerous people who are left identified and consider themselves socialists, whatever they mean by that, that um, really the risk of World War III coming from this is low, unlikely. I, that has been said to me repeatedly. It's unlikely. It probably won't happen. And it sort of raises this sort of basic question of, did you see that the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists just put the, the clock closer to midnight? The, the, the closest it's ever been in history. How do you just discount that? And this raises this other question of, um, what is an acceptable level of risk of World War III? I mean, really, what, 5%, 10%? So would you like to play Russian roulette? I just, it's just insane to me. You know, you, you, it only takes one World War III to create a nuclear winter and end life on Earth. I just, it's just madness. And Biden himself said, we're looking possibly at Armageddon. The New York Times last Sunday had a, a really interesting piece. I think it was by Roger Cohen, longtime European correspondent. This thing is looking like it's going to just go into a multi-year slog, you know, with the bodies just piling higher and higher. And um, and Putin and his pit bull Medvedev and others saying flat out, uh, we will not, existentially, we will not tolerate a decisive victory on their own um, on, on our own borders. And so what? We're just, and, and then the people on the left tell me, well, they're, they're bluffing. They don't really mean it. Really? Okay. Let's see. Let's find out if that's true. And, you know, because Zelensky runs to these capitals and there's this dance going on. You had a, a section on this show a while back about this where uh, 
you know, he he jumps around and begs for he wants tanks. Now we don't have tanks. OK, give him tanks. Oh, he wants, you know, he wants this. He wants this military hardware and he wants these defensive missiles. And he wants this. Now, freaking Biden has actually popped up in Kiev itself. How provocative is that? Imagine Xi Jinping or Putin showing up in Mexico City, you know, to uh, to <laughs> as part of a military alliance and during a war between Mexico and the United States of America. You know, and probably F-16 seem inevitable at some point. There may be a no-fly zone. It just gets worse and worse and worse, and nobody can give in, and nobody can back down, and these things take on a life of their own. It's just madness to pretend I that... that uh, I think we have to bring out the biggest problem we face right now is that the interests of the masses of people of the world are not on the stage. And until the interests of the masses of people is, are on the stage where people in this country and other countries are, are acting against this war and demanding it stop, this, the choices will appear to people as between these two sides. And see, this is part of the crime of these fucking leftists. Okay, this is the crime, and it's not the first time a left has done this, where they take the side of one or the other bourgeoisie and they leave the masses choosing between two murderous entities instead of getting out there themselves, at, yes, at risk, and standing up and saying, no, this war has to stop. Now, we believe as revolutionary communists, Revcoms, that this opens up the possibility of a necessity for a revolution to replace a system that would even do such a thing. And this is very important because otherwise it is just talk. And, and their talk is talk that's leading to the status quo. And Vakin has made this point for years. The politics of the possible is a politics of monstrosity. And we are seeing that right now on a, on a, on a, world, a world scale level. And, and we have to act to stop this. I think this is, you know, this is, this is, this is very important in terms of, of, what, of what sits before us and why you know, uh, un people need to understand the terms of this, and they need to understand that those who would pretend to be progressive and say, well, you shouldn't give the money for a war, you should give the money for jobs, that's actually has nothing to do with the nature of imperialism, and it leaves people paralyzed. It leaves them paralyzed to actually act in their own interests, which are absolutely opposed to this whole system. Well, yeah, and I want to second all of that. I want to add something, which is uh, I'm hearing people on, again, left identified, making the analogy between uh, when Indonesia genocidally, and mm -hmm. with U.S. green light, by the way, invaded East Timor. Wrong analogy. This is a very different sort of historical circumstances. You want the best one that I can think of, potentially, is a Cuban missile crisis, uh, uh, that, and the, which is when the, 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 the midnight clock really was the closest that it ever was. And I would really like people to study that and look back on some of the literature and look up the histories of the Cuban Missile Crisis because it did get out of control. It's almost a miracle. People, my father told me this, people were calling each other up on the telephone and saying goodbye with some very good reasons. And but for the decision of one Soviet subcommander to oppose the decision of a higher up commander to go ahead and use a tactical nuclear weapon in the Saragossa Sea in the South Atlantic on Black Saturday in October of 1962, we wouldn't even be here talking about any of this. These things can escalate uh, uh, out of control like that. The Slim Pickens analogy I was making was based was from the movie uh, that was so popular called Dr. Strangelove that helped drive the rise of the new left to some extent in the 1960s, which depicted 
Precisely. Well, look, I think that's actually a good place to end. So, Paul, I want to thank you again for being on the RNL Revolution Nothing Less show and for continuing to write columns that get up on Counterpunch as well as your own uh, Substack blog uh, and report that makes a big difference. And we've got to get out there and organize more people to get into more platforms where we can uh, start fighting for the truth. And that's going to involve putting some bodies on the line and getting out there and fighting against this war and, and for the interests of humanity. So thank you for being on the RNL show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. Great to talk. Okay. All right. So that was the voice of Andy Z, the main host of the Revolution Nothing Less show at youtube.com slash the RevComs. And he was speaking with the author and historian Paul Street, who publishes frequently at counterpunch.org as well as on his own Substack, Paul Street. I'd like to, in a few minutes, we'll be talking with Annie again, Annie Day, about this situation of the escalating danger, which you just heard about, of of World War III spilling out of this conflict in Ukraine. We're going to be taking your calls about this. She's going to be talking about the protests she is helping to organize this Sunday against U.S. Uh, the U.S. role in this war. Um, but before we go forward, we want to take a moment to remind you that you are listening to The Michael Slate Show. My name is Sansara Taylor, your guest host. We want to cover soon, we're going to switch topics for just a moment. Soon on this show, we want to get into the horrific, mean-spirited, cruel, life-destroying uh, fascist threats and laws being passed against trans people and LGBTQ people generally, and the assault on public education. And these are two fascist assaults that are distinct but also intermingled, and they're really a horrific part of the landscape. Um, and they need to be exposed, they need to be opposed, and they are part of what makes this a time that not only cries out for revolution, but a time when revolution is more possible because the norms are being shattered and daily life is being disrupted, and we're going to have to confront this and act on it, both the dangers and the opportunities it affords. Again, we'll talk more about this with Annie in just a moment, but I bring up these attacks on trans people to introduce our musical interlude because we are going to play a song from Dolly Parton and Miley Cyrus, which ought to have nothing at all to do with fascist assaults on trans lives and LGBTQ lives and education. But in fact, it does, because a second-grade uh, second elementary school teacher in Waukesha, Wisconsin, wanted to have her students sing this sweet song that Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton put out called Rainbow Land, and it was banned by the school board because it has the word rainbow in it. So here we want to break the ban on the Michael Slate show. We want to play this for you. Uh, enjoy. Come on, come on. Living in a rainbow land where everything goes as planned. And I smile. Cause I know if we tried, we could really make a difference in this world.
We just like the excuse to uh, play Dolly Parton um, and Miley and uh, imagine being in second grade again and what a great little song that is and all of a sudden is the site of a fascist assault and the banning of that song which is really bound up with banning and, and trying to eradicate the lives of LGBTQ people and their rights in this country right now. So I, I, will just, I will just add, in addition to loving Dolly Parton's voice, it does tell you something about how much this society, this system is coming apart, that in America they're banning Dolly Parton songs. This is a ripping and a tearing and a shredding of the norms. And, and however other people want to see this uh, end up, there's no going back to normal. We actually have to go forward to a revolution that can emancipate humanity. Oh, not a rainbow land utopia, but yes, a rainbow land where humanity could actually uh, uh, put an end to the antagonistic divisions that the system enforces. See, as we were listening to the song, I told Annie Day, my guest here in the studio, I said, I'm going to have you comment because she's such a Dolly Parton fan and has a lot to say on this. And she said, no, no, no. Bring me back when we talk about Ukraine, but I'm glad you did. Thank you. Um, So with that, we want to play something that's been produced by uh, the Revolution Club here in Los Angeles. It's the call for protest this Sunday. Um, I want you to hear that. And then we're going to talk with Annie more about this situation in Ukraine. National protest, Sunday, April 2nd. No U.S.-NATO war with Russia. Stop U.S. threats against China. No World War III. It's this system, not humanity, that needs to be extinct. We don't accept their future. It's time to get organized for a real revolution. The Russian invasion of Ukraine a year ago was a criminal act. But in response, the far greater criminal empire, the U.S., seized on this to wage a proxy war with Russia. The Russians are going, hey, the U.S. is fighting a proxy war against us. I think the answer is yes, we are. The U.S. has been massively arming Ukraine and providing intelligence and military advisors. At the Pentagon today, spokesman John Kirby confirmed the U.S. is providing intelligence to the Ukrainians. The U.S. explicitly has helped Ukraine kill Russians. The U.S. has now started training the Ukrainian military. The U.S. is using this war to maintain and expand their global domination up against another imperialist power. And they are cynically using Ukrainian people as cannon fodder to do so. We want to see Russia uh, uh, weakened. At the same time, the U.S. is ramping up threats against China, which the U.S. has called a strategic rival. China is a serious, probably the most serious, geostrategic adversary the United States is facing. 
The rulers of the U.S. say they're doing this to defend freedom or to help Ukraine. Bull****. What the U.S. is fighting for is not freedom, but control over a global system in which billions of people, especially in the global south, are brutally exploited. To enforce this, the U.S. has invaded, destroyed, and dominated more countries than any other empire in history, torturing, bombing, raping, and slaughtering millions of people whose humanity counts just as much as yours does. And now they're all of a sudden interested in supporting freedom? Don't believe their lies. Their goal is to stay top G, the gangster at the top of a worldwide system of exploitation and oppression. This confrontation could spiral out into direct military confrontation, all-out World War III that could lead to nuclear war and the extinction of humanity. The president warning the risk of nuclear Armageddon has not been this high since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Risk of nuclear Armageddon. Armageddon of nuclear war. Nuclear Armageddon. The urgent truth from the revolutionary leader Babavakian is. We can no longer afford to allow these imperialists to dominate the world and to determine the destiny of humanity. They need to be overthrown as quickly as possible. As part of building up the forces to make this revolution, people need to wake up and stand up now. The dangerous dynamics in the world are being set by these rival and contending imperialists. We need to change this by standing up for the interests of humanity. No US-NATO war with Russia. Stop US threats against China. No World War III. It's this system, not humanity, that needs to become extinct. We don't accept their future. It's time to get organized for a real revolution. Don't stand aside. Join with others in protest Sunday, April 2nd. So, Annie Day here in the studio, if you could, um, at the end of that, we just heard uh, a call to join protests. If somebody wanted to respond to that here in L.A., where and how and when would they do so? So join us this Sunday, 1 p.m. at Hollywood and Vine. There's going to be a rally, a march, a visual pro uh, protest and display. Um, we're going to have speeches and we're going to very seriously put out that call no U.S.-NATO war with Russia, stop U.S. threats against China, no World War III. It's the system, not humanity, that needs to become extinct. We don't accept their future. It's time to get organized for a real revolution. And you can contact the Revolution Club here in Los Angeles. Our phone number is 323-671-9839. If you have questions about the protest, if you want to join us, if you want to hook up, if you want to help build for it between now and then, if you want to make a donation, again, Revolution Club, 323-671-9839. And uh, our Instagram is revclub underscore LA or at the Revcoms. All right. Wonderful. So... 
what we want to do is in just a moment start taking calls from you, your questions, your comments, your ideas on this. What you're ag- Hopefully you're agonizing over this situation. If you're not, you need to check your pulse. You need to check your conscience. Um, I'm talking with Annie Day of the Revcoms here in studio, and we are talking about the danger of U.S., the U.S.'s involvement and proxy war in Ukraine against Russia, two imperialist powers squaring off. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians, of Russians, have already lost their lives. Um, Ukraine has been devastated. But this is not a war that's in the fundamental interests of the Ukrainians, and it's definitely not a war in the fundamental interests of humanity. It is a war that is precisely, as Annie was just speaking about, um, threatening World War III. And so, Annie, I wanted to ask you before we take our first call, if you could speak to that slogan that you raised about it is this system not humanity that needs to go extinct, and link that to the last uh, slogan that you raised about it's time to get organized for an actual revolution. It's very important that people speak against the war, but there's a particular um, anchor in what the Revcoms are doing that is leaning into and fighting to make a revolution. And I think it'd be important to bring alive why that's so essential. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. And I think, you know, we do have to underscore here that this is being driven by a system. And it is this system that needs to go extinct, not humanity. And, and you know, when we say system, we don't mean prison system, war system, whatever. We mean a system of capitalism, imperialism, um, a system that you know, it's 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 not as Biden says. Oh, this is a war between democracy and autocracy, which Paul Street spoke to. But th- those are whatever form of rule of this system. That's just a style. That's just a cover of what's the, the actual essence of a dictatorship. Yes, in this country, a dictatorship, a capitalist dictatorship that enforces the brutal exploitation of masses of people all over the world, and what we're seeing. In this contestation between, you know, both oppressive powers, the U.S. on the one hand, Russia on the other hand, China, the U.S. being number one oppressor, is we are seeing a contention over who is going to control the resources of the world and the ability to, to maintain and expand networks of domination of, and exploitation, networks of sweatshop brutality, of children slaving away in the mines uh, to, 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 to pull out the resources that make our phones and our computers run, the, re- the control over shipping channels, the control over pipelines, the control over, yes, who's going to pull the fossil fuels out of the, out of the earth. This is what they are contending over, like big gangsters, except their turf is not this or that street corner. Their turf is control over the world. So, you know, imperialism, this is not a policy. Oh, we're going to choose, we're going to argue with them to not stop being so imperialistic. No, this is their nature because it's a it's a system of cutthroat competition um, um, and, and the jockeying for advantage one over the other. So, you know, I think in particular, I'll pose a, a challenge to the listeners and then maybe we can get back to your question on, on, on revolution. But, you know, people listening have to decide here. The U.S. right now is threatening the world you know, potential nuclear extinction in order to maintain its position as number one oppressor and dominator in the world. And are you, the people listening, the people who consider themselves progressive, the people who care, the people who recycle, the people who, you know, call their politicians, the people who worry about your grandchildren, 
Are you willing to go along and risk the future of humanity for that? Because you, you know, here's your choices. Your choices are not, oh, do I want to line up behind Biden and, you know, on the one hand or, you know, well, Putin, he's standing up against Biden. No, these are oppressive powers. And your choices are whether you're going to line up behind one of these oppressive powers or whether you're going to stand up and fight for the interests of humanity. And that's what that's what's happening this Sunday. That's why people need to join us in the streets. Uh, one further question, then we're going to go to our first caller here. Um, on the question of it's time to get organized for a real revolution, what does what does that change? And what does coming out this Sunday, how does that impact on actually making that future revolution and, and different society possible. Yeah. Well, Andy ended that exchange with Paul Street, and he talked about how the interests of the masses of people are not on the stage. And what we need to do in the world, in this country, is we need to put the interests of the masses of people on the stage first and foremost by getting rid, by getting organized to get rid of the system that is imperiling humanity. Um, you know, Bob Avakian, it was quoted in that, uh, in that, that what we heard about the call for April 2nd. Bob Avakian said, we can no longer afford to allow these imperialists to rule the world and, and, and dictate the future of humanity. They need to be overthrown as quickly as possible. The urgency is profound. I mean, you know, we're talking about the dynamics where where there's been world wars, okay? What's different is the contending powers that are facing off are armed with nuclear weapons. Are we really going to risk that? On the one hand, at the same time, they're threatening environmental devastation potentially to the point of no return. So in order to actually make good on the interests of humanity, we need a different system. We need a radically different system. We have to overthrow this one. And it's possible. There's a radically different way the world could be. When we say we don't accept their future, it's because a different future is possible. We can bring into being a society and a system where in which there are not nuclear weapons. You know, when you're talking about a socialist state and, and people should look at the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America that's been authored by Bob Avakian, you can get it at revcom.us. It, it walks through very uh, uh, expansively and concretely. You, there will not be nuclear weapons in a new socialist state because a, a state that's about liberation does not have weapons of mass destruction. We're talking about ending, uprooting, dismantling the military, the 750 military bases that exist in over 80 countries in the world. That is possible. But to bring that world into being means we have to make an actual revolution. Millions of people rising up, defeating, dismantling, disarming the violent forces of this system and that is possible. But to do that, we have to build up the forces. And the thing I'll link it to, which means which means getting organized, which means acting together as a force, which means calling on others to raise their sights, to, to stop sleepwalking through the danger, not just because it's a horror, but because we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I will just link that quickly um, to the fact that Part of the danger here, very immediately, is that the only thing setting the terms in the world is between these rival and contending imperialists. And we can start to change that by acting together in mass protest. And I'll say, look, this is going to be a protest that is a with this slogan, uh, we don't accept their future. It's time to get organized for a real revolution. 
everyone on that basis is invited to come join us on Sunday. If you're thinking about this, if you're finding out more about this, you are needed to stand up for humanity. And that's what has to be put on the stage. That's what we're going to make manifest this Sunday. Okay, so we have Lynette on the line. Lynette, uh, tell us uh, where you're calling from and what's your question or your comment. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And I get it. Hey, the year of the rabbit is looking more like the year of the four horsemen and Armageddon broken up in the book of Revelation and the Bible, okay? This is, and then this forever war business stuff is really creepy. But are we able to go on the inside like the troopers and all them have and do something really subversive? I mean, do we need to take over the oil companies and these oligarchical uh, entities that run Putin, that run the U.S. government, and take over, um, you know, uh, all these entities that are bringing us more dystopianism, as I said, we really need Jesus, and we need a real change of mind, a change of economy, a change of politics, I mean, on every level, and that's where we are at. I mean, I remember some years ago, I had been in the, um, the Answer Coalition, uh, against war, this was when Bush was in office. And you would swear that Bush was still in office by the way that we have not changed with our foreign policy as well as our domestic policy that really just thinks. I mean, it's more of the same stuff. So we've got to do something different. It's more than just uh, boycotting or shutting down the city. We're going to have to go on the inside like they've done here with the American government, I, I believe. And I'll leave it right there. You all have a very blessed Easter. Thank you for all you do. All right, Lynette, uh, thank you for calling. Annie, you want to respond to Lynette? Uh, yeah, well, thank you for calling. I mean, look, I'll just say bluntly, we don't need Jesus. <laughs> we, we need revolution. And in, in order to make that revolution, we need, we need a scientific understanding of what's happening and why. And the fact is, these are very, re- these, are, these are human systemic forces that are driving things. This is not just the will of madmen. This is not uh, the devil or Satan working through whatever. This is a a system that is driving this kind of uh, 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 danger, uh, competitive recklessness, viciousness, and terror. Um, I I will say, though, yes, we need something radically different. Boycotts are not going to cut it. Voting is not going to cut it. Uh, uh, and, And the way in which we can move to take power from these imperialists is by making an actual revolution. Uh, yes, removing their control over oil companies that 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 are continuing to despoil and 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 you know destroy, decimate, and endanger the planet. Not by taking them over from within, but by making a revolution to overthrow them. And that's what the Revcoms are getting organized for. And that's what we invite everybody to get into and check out. I'll just add, I really encourage everyone listening to go to youtube.com slash the Revcoms and watch these interviews with the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian, who gets deeply into what kind of revolution we're talking about, why, what kind of world we're fighting to bring into being, the science and the morality of that, and the kind of leadership we have. So you can watch those at youtube.com slash the Revcoms. And I would encourage you, Lynette, to, to, to look into that as well. Yeah, I think um, the reason why it could appear that we're still living under the same kind of uh, situation as under 
George W. Bush is that we are living under the same system. And I think you put it well, capitalism, imperialism. And that needs to be understood scientifically on an evidence-based way, as you were just speaking to, not through religion, make-believe, or, you know, things that mystify what's really going on. So I thought that was important. Um, Earlier, I asked you about the difference it makes to step out into the streets this Sunday and going forward with the RevComs and protesting this. And I think, you know, you spoke, I think, very importantly about the revolution, the revolutionary society and world that's possible, a world without nuclear weapons, a world without imperialist contention, a world without oil companies. They have to be put out of business. We can't keep burning fossil fuels and have a planet to live on that's inhabitable. Um, But an additional dimension I want to underscore for people who are listening is that coming out now, being in the streets, saying no, is part of impacting on the possibilities that others who are agonizing see before them right now. A lot of people know that it's not, it's usually not that good what the U.S. does around the world. But they're also living with the goodies that come from what the U.S. does around the world. You were talking about the, the children in the mines who extract the, the minerals that go into our cell phones, enslaved children by the millions around the world that make this uh, way of life in America possible. That's the system. So people kind of feel uneasy about some of it, but they're living fat off of it at the same time. And uh, so they kind of let themselves think maybe this is a good war, maybe it's an excusable war. When people step out and challenge this on Sunday, they're lifting the sights to a to a different future that's possible, but also telling people, no, this is no good. And there's an option, there's a force, there's another way you could be living now as part of bringing about another future for humanity. So it's impacting the terrain and the possibilities people see right now. Um, And I'll mention, uh, last night you and I had the opportunity to see really an incredible film, a really powerful documentary called Coup 53 that I think brings alive so vividly the murderous role that the U.S. has played around the world. It covers the U.S.'s involvement and Britain's involvement in the coup that overthrew the democratically elected uh, leader Mossadegh in Iran in 1953. And then it expands that to the dozens and dozens of coups and interventions and, and CIA assassinations that the U.S. has done all over the world. I wondered if you wanted to comment further on this U.S. not the good guys. Yeah, it's a a very powerful film, and I really recommend people check it out. Go to their website, Coup 53. I mean, look, I I think people, especially listeners on this show, do know something on, on the station, do know something about the American crimes. But there's still a way in which people forgive all of that, or they think those crimes and that horror is a parallel fact to how we live today, what we should be fighting for, what we should be envisioning, and instead of recognizing the connection. This system, this country is responsible for the deaths and the slaughter of millions of people you know, over, you know, over a million, uh, 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 sorry, three million in, v- in Vietnam in the, and in the bombings of Cambodia, hundreds of thousands in Iraq, dead, displaced, whole, you know, cities just uh, uh, turned to rubble, bombs, torture, 
coups, invasions spin the globe all throughout the world and all throughout its history, let alone that it's a system built on slavery and genocide. Why? In its drive to maintain its edge of, of, of control of the resources and the ability to exploit the people of the world. People have to break from thinking like Americans, from thinking that we want a piece of this. People say, oh, well, you know, why do they put all that money to the, and this is actually, I'll just say, you know, Answer had a protest a couple of weeks ago, and I'm glad they were calling for a protest on the 30th, on the anniversary of the, uh, of the invasion of Iraq, but their slogan was fund people's needs, not the war machine. I'm sorry, this is grotesque. Well, aside from the fact that you're just pointing people to think about their pocketbooks when, when, when you know, tens of thousands of people are dead right now in, in Ukraine, you're, it's impossible. And what you're arguing for is we want a fair share of that very global exploitation on which this system rests and on which that very war machine is, 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 is enforcing. We can talk more about why that's how, that's how not that's how, not how the system of capitalism imperialism works anyway. It's not amenable to your needs. Uh, it's it's only got one ear for its drive to profit um, and and control. The point is. We don't have to be choosing between these oppressors. People have to break with this American chauvinism. They have to say we want no more peace of a world where in which this country dominates the rest of the world, and we have to get organized to overthrow this system. So this Sunday, we're actually going to be standing on this American flag. Yes, we're going to be standing on the Russian flag, too, because they're a junior gangster that is you know, did this unjust and outrageous invasion of Ukraine. Um, we're going to be shredding these flags and we're going to be calling on people to join us and to um, and to break with the idea that somehow American lives are more important than other people's lives. Okay, we have Johnny on the air. Johnny, tell us what's on your mind. Uh, hi there. Yeah, uh, I just, uh, just because, you know, listening in, talking about the solution to discourse, uh, I think it's important. Johnny, if you're on speakerphone, can you get off speakerphone? You're you're very hard to hear, but it sounds like you have something important to say. So try one more time. Uh, sorry about that. Much is, better. Is this a little better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to kind of put my two cents in on the uh, kind of discussion of the revolutionary process, uh, specifically um, because of how we think of. Uh, our kind of capitalistic systems and how we kind of revolutionize or the thing uh, the way that we talk about revolution is kind of in those systems and that also includes excluding uh you know disenfranchised people disabled people uh, you know chronically ill people and how we kind of exclude them from the conversation i always think that like when it comes to talking about revolutionary discourse uh we should always include you know kind of that lens of like how do we not only accommodate to um disabled folks in the revolution, but, like, how do we also have a place for them uh, so that, you know, when something happens uh, and, you know, we have kind of a, an anti-capitalistic system, uh, how are they not only benefiting it, but also, you know, participating in, in it? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, Annie, you want to respond? Uh, mainly, I would just encourage you to go to revcom.us and read the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America uh, that provides a concrete framework for how everyone can be 
contribute to a society that's uprooting all the forms of exploitation and oppression. Um, that's what I would say. And then I do think, look, it's important to raise these questions. I'll also say one of the things we have to challenge everybody to do is raise your sights to what's happening in the whole world. And right now, um, this situation is uh, with, with both the U.S.-NATO war with Russia, the U.S. threats against China, is an incredibly dangerous situation that everybody has a responsibility to act in relationship to, to take responsibility for, and to raise your sights to. Yeah, I think um, here again, the, it, if we could meet the needs of humanity, first of all, if we could protect this planet from environmental destruction under this system, we should do that. But it's actually because we cannot that we need to overthrow this system. That is, that's why a revolution is needed. There will be no future for humanity if we, if we let this climate destruction continue, if we let the, the wars spiral out of control to World War III and nuclear annihilation. That's game over. This is where our sites need to be looking at most of all. But it's also the same system that treats human beings as externalities to the profit drive and that geostrategic competition of imperialist powers. That is why we live in a society which is incredibly heartless towards people with disabilities, towards people with other obstacles that are, that are, that are completely unnecessary um, but are built into this system. And so if we want a world where human beings around the world and close to home are treated as full human beings uh, where, where forms of oppression and injustice are really being uprooted and not just whittled away at and then coming back with a vengeance time and time again. We need to get beyond this system. So I want to thank everybody who took the time to call. I want to thank my guest, Annie, for coming into studio. Do you have any uh, final uh, words you very briefly want to share? One, Join us this Sunday. Be part of shaking people awake. Be part of raising their sights. Be part of stepping forward to manifest for the interests of humanity. Be part of fighting for the future and uh, and uh, join us. Okay. And so I want to thank uh, our wonderful engineer here at the station, Gary Baca. I want to thank Henry Carson, my assistant producer. And remember, the problem is not human nature. It is the nature of this system. My name is Sansara Taylor, your guest host here on the Michael Slate Show. We want to send you out with another rainbow, rainbow of colors from Neil Young and Crazy Horse. There's a rainbow of colors in the old USA. No one's gonna whitewash those colors away. Now I know some. There's not room for all And they should just go back To the places they
We've got some time left, so I'd like to play this. (laughs) ¶¶ 